Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. For those of you who are listening for the first time, my name is Julian Carl and I'm CEO and co-founder of Synergen Group and really happy to be here with you again. I'm passionate about all things leadership and management, so passionate in fact that I decided to start a podcast about it. And here we are in season two and my purpose for the podcast continues to be the same, to raise the standard of leadership. So in today's show, I speak with Jane Ward, who is the Group Head of Performance, Remuneration and Payroll at Australia Post. And to give you a little bit of context about what that means, Australia Post has over 35,000 employees, so quite a large organisation. Jane is passionate about making a difference by creating and implementing tailored strategies that work for the business by developing a values-led culture which is filled with high-performing teams. In 2017 and 18, she achieved LinkedIn power profile status within the HR space, meaning she has one of the most viewed profiles in Australia. She's also a board director, transformational change leader, and corporate governance specialist with over 20 years of progressive and global experience and has extensive consulting and corporate experience advising boards, senior leadership teams, and the management of publicly listed organizations. Now, during the course of the conversation, we explore a number of different ideas. We start by looking back at Jane's leadership journey beginning with when she was a team leader in a contact centre. We also explore what the differences are between being in a consulting role and being in a leadership role. Jane's area of leadership passion is all about coaching and supporting someone to grow into the best they can be. And we end up talking about the impact her current CEO has had on the business. So keep listening, and as always, we'd really like to hear your thoughts about the interview with Jane Ward. Happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian returns in 2019 with weekly conversations with leaders and authors from Australia and around the world, giving you the opportunity to share in their journey and learn from their expertise and knowledge. Julian also shares some of the tools and techniques he uses as a leader, mentor, and facilitator, helping you to build your leadership capability and improve your confidence as a leader. Well, welcome, Jane, to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time to be here so that the listeners have a bit of an idea of who you are and what you do. Who is Jane Ward? Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm the head of uh, remuneration, performance, and payroll at Australia Post. Um, obviously, Australia Post is one of the largest organisations in Australia, and um, we've got one of the largest workforces as well. We've got over thirty-five thousand people. Wow, thirty-five thousand! I didn't think it was that many. Oh, they're just our permanent employees, and double that as well. When we, we talk about all our all our extended workforce as well. Right, and are you able to give a little bit more detail about what your role involves? Yes, certainly. So um, I've got a team of about 60 and um, we run everything from the payroll for the whole organisation to the remuneration, all the performance, uh, all the recognition, all our benefits, our global mobility and also our sales incentives programmes as well. Okay, great. So is there an interesting uh, fact that the listeners might not know about either you or Australia Post? Oh, I don't think we'll go with me, but certainly Australia Post. Um, one of the things that really blew me away recently was we are, I think, the second most trusted brand in Australia uh, after Medicare. So we we are known by everyone. We're touched by everybody across Australia um, and we are trusted by the community. And, and that, you know, that's great. It gives us a great... Um, responsibility as well 
but it's great to know that the uh, the community know who we are, know what we do, and that we are trusted by them. That's interesting. Do you think that that uh, impacts the way that people want to come work for Australia Post because they feel as though they're a trusted organisation? Definitely. Um, we you know, I look, also look after the grad program as well, and that certainly comes through in the feedback from our grads coming in. Australia Post is known to them. Everybody knows who Australia Post is. I think what surprises people, though, is the breadth and depth of everything we do. So they'll come in the door thinking we just post letters for people, uh, and it's such so much more than that. You know, we have one of the largest uh, retail networks, for example, across Australia. We've got over four thousand four hundred post offices. The figures are quite quite staggering, aren't they? When you think about it, four thousand four hundred. Amazing, absolutely amazing. So I'd like to take you back, all the way back to your first significant leadership role. Are you able to share a little bit with the listeners uh, what that was? Yeah, look, the one that really jumps to mind is uh, a team leader in a contact centre. That was probably my first. Uh, people leader role and it was a new contact center so it was brand new starting out it was all shiny it was all everything smelt lovely and new and I was given two agents uh, as the first wave of agents and they were chalk and cheese so one was very well spoken very refined um, got the system excellent and the other was as I say total opposite she um, she had a speech impediment and um, she she really struggled to to talk clearly on the telephone. She struggled with the systems, and and I was the new a new team leader, and I had no idea what to do. And I think what I learned there was no one can give you any book or any guidance. You have to go with your own intuition on this. And, and I ended up just talking to her and understanding who she was. And it, it turned out that um, she was very passionate about wanting to be an agent and actually wanting to work. And her family were very against her working. And so she was actually coming to the, the job and working um, with her family not supporting her. But she was so wanted to succeed. And it ended up, I ended up spending time with her and we worked and we, we worked on her pronunciations where she struggled a little bit with some pronunciations and she'd go home and she would practice with her daughter on her daughter's toy telephones. They would sit in opposite rooms and they would practice the, the calls together. And for me, that came from when I first went, I'm never going to be able to lead this person and help this person to, she became one of the people that I actually admire the most, that tenacity, that dedication. And she just needed an opportunity to really show her strengths. And she became one of the best agents in the contact centre um, after about, I think it was after about nine months, she won awards because she was so dedicated. She constantly wanted to improve. And all it took was somebody to give her an opportunity. That's powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, having that 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 personal impact on on someone, especially in your, one of your first roles. Ah, oh, it, it was. Well, I didn't know where to go at first, but it just came down to gut instinct. Was let's find out why is this person here and so determined that they want to come and work here. And I'm always curious when people decide if they want to stay in leadership was it was it that moment where you thought this whole leadership things for me oh on that first day absolutely not I decided I did not want to be a leader because I had no idea what I was going to do um 
I don't think it was a conscious, I want to be a leader. I think it was more, I want to learn and I want to grow. And I actually really enjoyed and got a buzz from coaching and developing that individual. So for me, it wasn't, I want to be a leader. It was, I want to work with people and I want to replicate that. I want to do this again because to be able to change somebody's life like that was so incredibly powerful and and really motivating for me and very Mm. self-satisfying for me because I was like, wow, I I played a part in that. Mm. Yeah, it's very rewarding when you can have that personal impact on someone. Definitely, definitely. So for me, it wasn't a conscious decision I want to be a leader. It's actually more about the person that I was, that I got that buzz from going, wow, that was amazing. And how long were you in that role? Uh, I was a team leader for about 18 months, two years, and grew the team, started with the two, ended up with a team of 24. Um, so again, very different skills leading um, in a quite a junior leadership role, but still leading lots of people. You can't necessarily have that one-on-one relationship, so it's different skills. Hmm. And so I'd like to explore just one other uh, role that you've had. What would you say is probably the 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 one of the most significant people leader roles before the one you're in now uh well i spent nine years in consulting uh before i joined australia post and leadership in a consulting environment is very different because you're constantly creating teams and disbanding teams working virtually working with people that maybe you haven't got a relationship with maybe globally um so very diverse teams and multiple teams at any one time so being able to lead people in different scenarios and apply different leadership styles is really important in at the same time so you know most people have a role they are a leader they get to know their team they get to know what works and then they're comfortable in that leadership style um, I think in a consulting environment, uh, as I say, you, multiple teams, so you need to be using multiple leadership styles at the same time. And was was that the big learning from being in the consulting field, the, your ability to adapt and be agile in how you lead? Very much so, very much. And, and you know, you learn so much from the different people and every person is a different person and can to respond differently to a different leadership style. So you can never assume, I think, was the, the big takeaway is you, you have to, you know, get to know the team that you're going to be working with very fast um, in that situation. But also, um, you know, be open to the feedback as well, yeah, because you need to be turning things around quite fast for your clients. So if something's not working, you have to have that open and honest two-way dialogue. And was it was it a deliberate decision for you to sort of leave employment and go into that consulting type type role? Um yeah, well, yes, yeah, sort of. So I was I was working in London at the time and the role in consulting in Australia came up and um I applied thinking I'd never go to Australia, I'd never been here before, and I applied for it, and then I had a video interview, and then another one, and, and then suddenly they offered me a role a few months later, and, and it was only for two years, so I was, sure, sure, I'll jump on a plane and go to Australia, and it's only a couple of years, sounds like an exciting adventure. Um, not really probably knowing what I was walking into, um, or the challenges, but such a great learning experience and and i'm really really you know with hindsight looking back it was the best part of my career to take that move at that time okay and why did you decide to join australia post um 
probably the reason there's a lot of people join from our grads upwards. The brand, very well-known brand, you know, as I say, we're the most tra- one of the most trusted brands. Uh, but it's also the challenge. There is no, it's such a unique company. There is no other company like Australia Post. We're the largest government organisation um, in Australia. We are, you know, we're there for the community. We have a real purpose, and and that connects with the people that work for Australia Post. So you come to work, you know, you're making a difference to every community in Australia. There are not many organisations you can walk into and say that's what you're doing. So um, I think Australia Post is unique. The culture here is the best culture of any organisation I have ever worked in, been to, engaged with as well. So the people make Australia Post um, all the way through, all 35,000 of them make Australia Post who it is. Okay. I wouldn't mind exploring that a bit. What, talk to me a little bit about this culture that's uh, so amazing here. Uh, there, there's so many ways I could describe it, but the culture here, we are collaborative, um, very supportive, um, and it's about we're all working towards the same thing. And having that single purpose that we are here to serve the community, everyone really matters, Uh it brings everything together. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you work. You're all working to the same goal. And that's what makes it so special. Um, and it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what project I might be looking at or working on, wherever I go, whichever part of the business I interact with, um, you're, you're welcomed in. You're, you're, you're part of a family. And, and so I've not really found that in any other organisation ever that I've engaged with. Do you think that were, that has evolved or was it deliberately designed? Oh, good question. Um, I think it's probably evolved. Uh, Australia Peace Post has been around for 210 years, um, with a very long time. We've evolved out of um, being a postal service, you know, we're, we're a global uh, logistics now and transport company. Um, you know, we, we touch every part of the world as well. So I think we have just evolved, but in the core of it is we are here for the communities of Australia and that gives us a single purpose. Mm. That mm. hasn't changed over the last 200 yeah. years, you know. So having had that for so long, um, it, it does make a difference. Yeah. I'm always fascinated with how organisational cultures develop and it's interesting that it's, uh, it seems to have been able to maintain a little bit of that family sort of community sort of feel about it since being so old too over 200 years that's pretty significant very much so and and you know different people have come and gone different leaders have come and gone but that core is still there and and i think the fact that we all respect that as well um makes that difference Hmm. So now that you're, you're back in uh, corporate after leaving the, the consulting world, what are, you, what are you learning about yourself as a leader? Uh, well, corporate is very different to consulting. Um, so what am I learning about myself as a leader? Uh, I've, I've learned that I've learned a lot over the years and, and I'm using probably skills I haven't used for a long time back in a corporate environment. Um, that is, is thinking about engagement with the team, with others around me, um, thinking about what does that leadership really mean 
Um, and, and also enjoying that really investing long term in my team and spending time with them, coaching, developing them. So uh, in the consulting world, as I say, sort of jumping around and while you, you have ongoing relationships, having a team that I know are there ongoing and investing that time and coaching, watching them grow is a real pleasure. So you mentioned you've got a, a team of around 60. How do you find leading 60 people? Um, I'll let you know. I've only been doing it for about a month now. So <laughs> <laughs> um, they are an incredible team. And, and the teamwork that they have um, makes them very, very special. So um, if they were a disparate team, it would be a really hard job to be walking in to lead that team. I don't actually feel like I am probably doing too much at the moment, um, but it's getting to, I'm still getting to know them all. And that for me is number one important. I want to get to know every one of them uh, and find out, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them come to work and, and how I can help them. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll have a conversation in a year and I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a very deliberate approach that you've decided to take as a leader that, you want to spend the time getting to know them and, and, and really start to connect with them on a personal level? Definitely. Um, for, for me, the relationship that I build with my team um, means I can be a better leader um, longer term. Um, you know, every single person is unique. Every single person is bringing something special to the team. And if I don't know what that is, I can't help them grow and develop um, and longer term either so for me getting to know everybody is really important so you've had a fair bit of experience around in, in different types of roles well what do you think the the biggest myth exists about leadership <laughs> um i think one of the biggest myths around leadership is leadership is leadership it's not it's actually about connecting with people and um you know you can't teach somebody to be a leader out of a book, you know, um, you you have to go and connect with people. You have to understand people. You have to have a vision. You have to have a purpose. You have to be able to bring it all together. So I think uh, uh, probably one of the myths that you can go to some leadership course and be a wonderful leader probably, um, you know, is it's not really true. Um, what you can do is go and learn skills that will help you be a leader or help you be a better leader. But it's got to be intuitive. It's got to come from you. And it's got to come from the heart. It really has. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's always important that people make that decision that they want to be a leader because if they haven't made the decision, it doesn't matter how much training they do or how many books they read or how many you know videos or podcasts they listen to, they just won't make a difference. Definitely. And I also think as well that, that different leaders for different times and for different scenarios. So... You know, you can say somebody's a bad leader or a good leader. I don't think they are. I just think they're different leaders and they work in different situations. And, you know, if you look at CEOs, you know, if you've got to turn around a company, the way you lead that company is going to be very different to somebody that's trying to do accelerated growth of a company. Skills are different. Leadership styles are different. So it doesn't mean one or the other is good or bad. It just means they are different. And it's the same all the way down then for any leader. It's what type of leader do you need to be right now? And that might not be your natural style. It might not be your skill set. And Again, you know, if you can own up to that and acknowledge that, 
then that makes it easier then to go, well, what type of leader does this place need or does this team need at this time? And maybe it's not me, maybe it's somebody else right now. That to me is a real leader who can have that objectivity and understand and recognize what type of leadership is needed in, for that team at that time. Again, it gets back to what you were saying earlier about the agility, being able to move and shake and, and apply different ideas. Very much so, very much so, yeah. So how do you describe yourself as a leader? <laughs> um, very badly, probably. <laughs> um, oh, as I say, it comes back to people. I, mean, I, I want to... I would love that people would describe me as a people leader um, and that engagement with my team. Um, I hope I'm fair, I hope I'm equitable, I hope I'm all these things and I try to be. Uh, so I hope I'm approachable, I hope, you know, I'm all, you want to tick all these boxes, but what sort of leader am I? Um, I just love people and I love seeing people grow. So that for me is that I'm that sort of leader. Okay. Did you make a... Uh, a deliberate decision to go for this type of role that you're in? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I, I think as you grow in your career, you naturally get into leadership roles and therefore, uh, you know, leading people, leading uh, teams and leading others becomes part of it. Uh, it's not something, you know, somebody actually sort of says, right, I'm going to be a leader. It's just I'm going to grow my career. And, oh, by the way, I, I lead people, which is I think why we end up sometimes, particularly when new leaders come along, that, you know, they may not have the skills to lead people. And, and then it's a bit of a culture shock for them that, you know, they can't just stand there and go do this or do that and dictate and think that's how it works. Um, so so leadership is an evolution in itself. And you, you you do have to grow with it yourself as you grow your career. And you also have to accept that sometimes you probably got it wrong. Um, but as long as you, you kind of learn for that and you, you own it, then, then okay, move on and become a better leader. So I don't think anybody's the perfect leader on day one the minute they step into a leadership role. I'm always fascinated with the types of models or frameworks or tools that, that, that people use. Uh, are there any that you're, you particularly like? Look, I think the, the tools for leadership are useful in certain situations. I think they're great for structuring thinking and particularly if you need to take a step back and plan for going forward. Um, so, you know, the SWOT analysis and all these types of leadership tools are, are good, but they have their place. Um, a good leader will hopefully bring a vision to their team and be able to articulate that well um, and do that without needing lots of uh, lots of pictures and lots of SWOT analysis or whatever to to take that forward um, but again I think it's useful and it's also useful sometimes to revisit as a leader and look at different models and say hmm, maybe I take a little bit of that one and a little bit of that one and that will work for me because I think leadership's a very personal style and a very personal thing that what will work for one person won't work for another. Mm. And so you're only a short time into your your role now. Well, what are the big challenges you can you see ahead? Um, I think the, the biggest challenge for me is I, I've got a really great established team that are working really, really well. Um, what is that next step? What is that 
um, that that how do I take the team to the next level? Um, what does that look like? You know, um, how do you take a team that works so well and make them better? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answers for that. Maybe they'll tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it, it is interesting, isn't it? When you're when you're the almost essentially the new the new kid on the block, and they're all really established. But yeah, very much so. Which is why I go back to it's really important that I get to know them um, and get to know what makes uh, each individual tick, and what's spe- what's important to them, and what do they want to see next. Because you know, I can come in and say this is what I think we should do. But if they've got different ideas, and as I say, they've been working really well together for quite a while, um, they're getting something right there. So uh, I think I'm going to learn from them. Mm, that's right. So I'm always interested in uh, the conversations I have with, with leaders is that they often have an area of passion which really floats their boat within the, the whole leadership space. What, what is it that you describe as your area of leadership passion? Well, I think we've already touched on it. It is really seeing somebody grow and develop and being able to coach them and be a part of that and contribute to that. Um, that really is my passion as a leader. Um, if, if, if somebody can come to me or I take, I've taken on team members in the past and, you know, they've been considered underperformers to watch somebody grow and be able to give them the confidence to grow and excel I think just is the most amazing part of being any leader in any role in any organization um it's got to be the people and that development and so how do you go about that how do you so you've got 60 people that you're you're going to start to get to know how are you planning to go about uh developing them um, so get to know each one, find out what they want to do, what what is it they want to develop. Um, I think as well, you can't also just narrow it down to what are they going to do in the workplace. Um, what is it they want to do as their next step, whether that's um, outside of work or in work, and then how can we help people develop and grow to where they want to go? Because if people are, you know, happy, they feel they're on that journey, they're fulfilled, they, they will be happier at work. They will develop at work, um, even if the the area they're saying they want to develop in is outside work. So it is about the whole person. It's about where they want to go, what they really want to do, and then how can I help them on that journey? Okay. So do you do that through one-on-one conversations? Do you do it – is there a very formal process that you follow? Uh, for me, it's one-on-one conversations, get to know the people, and then it's daily interaction. Uh, I'm lucky and fortunate that most of my team are sitting around me. You know, it's coming in, it's having the conversation. It's, hey, you know, have you started your course that we were talking about? How's it going? What, you know, what, how are you finding it? And it's that more informal interaction, um, which, you know, day on day, you get to know people. Um, and get being available as well. If people want to come and chat, they can come and chat. They can come and tell me about what's going on, how they're going. I love that. I love hearing that, you know, they have taken that first step on a journey. That's an interesting point. How do you, how do you maintain that balance between having that open door policy of people just coming in to have a chat and getting stuff done? Um, well, we sit in an open plan office, so there's, <laughs> I'm available to anybody. And um, I, I think it's about, for me, people, my team are above anything else. So if they want, they want to interact, 
then that's more important than anything else. You know, I can write an email later, but if somebody wants to talk to me there and then and, and tell me about how they're going, that's much more important than have I just hit send on an email. So, you know, if there's something desperately important, obviously you have to, you know, get it done and you hit, there are ways you can do that and you just you move away from the team maybe. But for me, yeah, being there for the team is important. That's what I'm there for. I'm there to lead the team and I'm there and available to them. Do you consider yourself uh, a coach in terms of your team? Oh, definitely. I don't, I, you know, I actually think leader is probably the wrong word. I'm there to coach and develop the team and make the team, you know, the best we can be. To say that they are amazing already. So I'm feeling like I've got a bit of an easy job here because <laughs> they're pretty good. And, uh, you know, so, but it, coaching and developing people is absolutely the core of what a leader should be doing. And do you subscribe to any particular type of coaching methodology like grow or anything else? No, because I think every person is an individual. So what's going to work with one person, isn't it? We're going to what's going to work with somebody else. Mm. Some people just want to be acknowledged. Others just want to get on and do it um, and just have the opportunity. Um, you, it's about adapting to what's going to work for each individual person. Mm. And, w- and when you're uh, having these conversations, I imagine that you're really focusing on building trust and, and building that depth of relationship so that people can feel comfortable telling you this is why I'm not performing well because something's going on in my personal life? Um, look, I think, yeah, absolutely. Building trust and finding out what's going on in somebody's life. Um, normally, um, you know, everybody comes to work to do a good job. No, I'm, you know, I've not, never met anyone who comes to work to do a bad job. So if you start from that premise, then it's about how can we, um, you know, what's next? What do you want to, what do you want to change? Everybody needs to develop something. Um, everyone can be better or improve on something. Um, so what do you want to work on? But you've got to, you've got to want to do it. You know, an individual has to want to change or improve or develop. Um, you know, there's, it's not me sitting there saying you need to develop this because the person has to be invested in it too. Mm. So how do you find or how do you go about when you see the need for someone to change or develop, but they don't necessarily see the need? Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I think one of the ways is to, if you've got an open conversation, then it's about saying, um, you know, has something changed? That's the first thing. So is it a new thing that they're, they're doing or not doing? Um, if it's something that's changed, then it's about finding out what's changed for them, that they're now doing something different or not doing it, and you explore it that way. But a good way sometimes also is to ask them, what do they think good looks like? What, what does a, a person in this role, what would be perfection? We're never going to get to perfection, but what does perfection look like? And ask them to articulate that. And then you can you can then explore and say, well, what parts are you doing that are excellent? But also what parts do you think maybe you're not doing quite so well on? Well, they're then telling you what what's good and what they do well and why they might need to develop. Mm-hmm. So um, as I say, it goes back to the, the need to own it themselves. An individual has to own their own development. I'm very passionate about lifelong learning and, and your own development uh, and, you know, if you don't own it yourself, then you don't buy into it and you're not going to give it 100%. Hmm. I, I always find that, because uh, I, I agree completely, it's the, the lifelong learning and also taking charge of your own development. But one of the things I find uh, 
happens to us because uh, we run leadership programs is someone or an organisational book us in, book all the people in, and they'll give me the heads up that this one person, you need to fix him, Julian. <laughs> and I can't fix anyone in a, in a training room, uh, but that when you speak to that individual, they just have no interest in owning their own development, owning their own learning or, or being better. How do you handle that when you come across someone like that? There's normally something behind that, and that's not the issue. No. Um, most people want to be better or do a good job. So uh, it comes back to understanding what, what's driving that individual. And nine times out of ten, there is something totally different going on, and this is an outcome of that issue. And if you can get to talk about what the real issue is, then you can help them think about well, what impact is that having on the rest of their their world um, and say it might just be that something else is manifesting as this and they're, they're just not a, even aware that that's happening because they're just so focused on some other issue. Mm-hmm. So I've found that with a few people that I, over the years that I've worked with, you know, you, you go in, I think the key here for a leader is never go in assuming that you know what the answer is mm. because it, <laughs> it never is the right answer. Yeah, there's, there could always be something that's a bit of a surprise, couldn't there? Very much so. I've, I've been very surprised in a lot of ways over the years. <laughs> Nothing I'm going to share, though. <laughs> so what, what does the future hold for you, Jane? What sort of goals have you set for yourself? Oh, well, the next 12 months, as I say, is definitely getting to know the team, um, getting to know what makes each of them tick. Um, and we've got a busy year ahead. Um, it's this gone through a lot of change at Australia Post over the last year, had, um, you know, Christine coming in as the new CEO, new leadership team. So it's now really looking to the future. So we've got a lot a lot of work to do over the next 12 months. Okay. And where can people find out more about you if they, uh, if they want to know more? Oh, well, if they want to know more about me, I've got my LinkedIn profile. Always have a look at that. And... Uh, yeah, you know, you can always message me on LinkedIn and if okay. you've got some real questions yeah. <laughs> that you don't think I've covered. Yeah. And so we were, we were chatting earlier about um, development. What sort of development do you try to undertake as a leader? Because one of the things I've noticed is that the more senior people get in uh, their, the hierarchy of an organisation, the more their development sort of changes. They're, they're no longer so interested in going to a course. They're, they're looking for other ways to develop. What, how do you do that? For me, it's more about themes um, through a year. So, you know, talking to you is one of those. Sort of talking in public is a theme that I've had this year. Um, they, my themes tend to revolve as I talk to people around me what get my feedback on where they see my development areas might be. Um, next year, I haven't quite come up with my theme yet, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it will evolve. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to start on January the 1st with my life's resolution. It's about an evolution. It might be I continue with this year's theme. Something else may come along next year. But if it's growing. As long as I'm growing, as long as I'm learning, as long as I'm developing, then I'm happy and I'm achieving where I want to get to. Hmm. And so what challenges do you think Australia Post is going gonna, gonna to face in the next couple of years? Um, externally, the market and the world is changing. 
Um, I think any company is struggling to keep up with that. This rapid speed of change and talent attracting the right, you know, the talent to the organization in a changing world. You've got the different generations coming in, uh, millennials coming in with very different ideas of what work should look like, what, you know, teams should look like, um, how any organization should work. Um, and that's alongside people that have been in the work site, workspace for quite a while. So I think those are big challenges that we as a country and the world will have to face into is how do you bring these very, very different groups of generational groups together to work harmoniously? Um, and and I do laugh a little bit because I always go back to, you know, every generation sort of says, oh, they're terrible, the next generation coming through. But I think the difference now is that we've got such a span of generations. Hmm. So five generations working in the, the, the organization side by side is a huge challenge. So that alone is a massive challenge for us to face into. Any ideas on how you're going to handle that challenge? Oh, you've got to break down the barriers, haven't you? And break down assumptions because not every millennial will come in the door expecting this and not every uh, more mature worker will not embrace technology or whatever the stereotype is. I think you, you have to take away the stereotypes and just get people to get to know the people and working together and therefore respecting each group for what they bring to the table. Hmm. Are there any leaders that you look up to or that inspire you? Um, lots of leaders. As I say, every leader brings something different anyway to a role and it's always situational. Christine is a fantastic leader. Um, she's very inspiring, um, very creative and a very different leader. Um, but And she's just what we need right now. You know, we need that big thinking so for, for me, Christine's a great example. Some of that really inspires me. You can spend half an hour with Christine and you just walk out and your head's exploding with all these ideas and all these things that you've talked about. So that, that really inspires me as a leader that can really think big, um, think bigger than I can think, you know, and then it just, you sit there and go, oh, okay, all these things and you can't even keep up with them yourself. So yeah, that for me is a really quite inspirational leader. That, that must be quite um quite motivating having an inspirational leader in your own business especially one that's leading thirty-five thousand people very motivational and and we've been so lucky having christine here this year uh, to really start to change us as an organization and take us to that next that future um yeah it's it's it is very motivational um and, and very inspirational as well. Um, I think it may, it's making all of us better leaders because we're having to think differently. Um, you know, it, it really, really challenges how you think or have thought when you have got that inspirational leader. Mm. Are, are you finding when you talk with your colleagues that there's any, any, they have a different perspective of that because the inspirational, motivational leader doesn't always resonate with everyone. Are any of your colleagues are going, uh oh? I, I think you go, oh wow, that's different, and and you do go back to, well, what do I know? What what's my points of reference, and how can I, and how can I relate what I've just heard to what I've just done for the last two years, and that that makes you stop and think. So you know, you do kind of go, oh wow, how does how's that going to work? But then you work through that and you start talking, you kind of go, 
well, actually, no, that's really clever. That's really great. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you start to build it. So I think you, you, your instinct is to go, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with that or that idea or where that's going. I'm not sure. But then when you sort of start to work it through, I think everybody kind of goes, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. And that's where, why it's so different. That's why it's so inspirational. Any last words on leadership you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, I think for, for being, a, being a leader is, I'll go back to it, it is about the people. And if you forget it's about the people that you lead, then you probably have lost what, what a good leader really is. Um, if you, you've got to invest in your people, um, you've got to take them on the journey with you and nothing ever gets done by a single person it's always done by a team so if you don't have your team with you then you're not going to achieve much well on that note thank you jane ward so much for being a part of the synergian leadership podcast all the best thank you lovely to speak to you well that wraps up episode 56 of the synergian leadership podcast and I'd like to encourage you to head on over to the Synergen Group website and engage in the conversation with us. Tell us what you liked, tell us who you'd like us to interview, and tell us what type of content you'd like us to deliver to you. And if you are an iPhone user, please feel free to head to Apple and leave us a review. In next week's episode, I speak with Donna McGeorge, who is the author of The 25-Minute Meeting, Half the Time, Double the Impact. It's another fantastic interview with another author. So until then, would love to hear what you think and happy listening.